Living without a mediator is not a topic that is frequently addressed outside of Adventism. Because it is based on an understanding of Christ's ministry in heaven. Furthermore, among Seventh-day Adventists, this is also a topic that is not currently discussed everywhere. And so here now, it's associated with the first angel's message of Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7, proclaiming the hour of his judgment in 1844. And this uh, angel's message started basically in 1831, and William Miller and his group uh, were only uh, promoting this. At the same time, you know, what is this hour of his judgment? That period that would end, according to the Adventist, in 1844. The hour of his judgment is associated with Christ's cleansing of the sanctuary. So the content of the hour of its judgment is basically that Christ is then cleansing the sanctuary in 1840. And uh, many interpreted this prior to 1844 as follows. The sanctuary is the earth. When is this cleansing of the earth? This is the second advent because the earth is the sanctuary. When will this be? At the end of the period of the 2300 prophetic days or 2300 years in 1844. And this is of course based on the year day principle that one prophetic day is one solar year. And so everybody or many of them looked forward to 1844. And what happened? Disappointment in 1844. Of course, you know, the Adventists always get the blame of what happened during the time. But unfortunately, uh, many others who predicted the same period uh, came to another conclusion, but all of them were disappointed. So what was then the Adventist solution to the great disappointment? What took place is an, a renewed in, uh, intense study of the cleansing of the sanctuary. And the result of this was a whole new insight. From Daniel 8, 4, 17, Adventists discovered that the sanctuary in Daniel 8:14 related to the sanctuary in the time of the end. Now, if it is the sanctuary of the time of the end, what are the implications of that uh, picture? The sanctuary then is the new covenant sanctuary, which is in heaven according to Hebrews 8, verse 1 and 2. At the same time, this led to the new light that in 1844, Jesus began his final phase of his high priestly ministry in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. That was an extremely important new light that came there. This mentioned, that meant then that in 31 AD, after Christ's ascension, he began his atoning ministry as mediator for the forgiveness of sins in the holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. That means also at the same time that in 1844 then Christ entered the most holy place to begin his anti-typical day of atonement ministry that involved besides his work as mediator, 
His final atonement of blotting out of sins during the investigative judgment. You find this in early writings, pages 251, 253, and 260. So this whole new insight solved then the solution, the, the great disappointment. Further study showed that the sanctuary doctrine reveals a complete system of truth for God's people since 1844. And so the only class of Christians that discovered this new insight were Adventists. Because all the other ones, after the failure of their predictions in 1844 or, or 1843, what did they do? They threw out the baby with the bathwater and they didn't study further. What did they do? They threw out historicism. And when they threw out historicism, they were the victims of the Roman Catholic uh, Jesuit interpretation of futurism and preterism. And that is what you see today. The only carry-on of the historicisms are Seventh-day Adventists. We are an endangered species, friends. And if you don't speak up and share this powerful interpretation, what will happen with the rest of humanity? Keep in mind, 99% or more of the Christians of the, of the whole world has no idea what is going on. The subject of the sanctuary was the key that unlocked the mystery of the disappointment in 1844. It opened to view a complete system of truth connected and harmonious, showing that God's hand had directed the great Advent movement and revealing present duty as it is brought to light in the position and work of his people. You find this in Great Controversy 4.23. And so that is extremely important. Now, new light on Christ's cleansing work in the time of the end. And so there is an intense study and specifically three individuals uh, were responsible for this. And uh, that was uh, Hiram Edson, uh, Dr. Hahn, and O.R.L. Crozier. And they studied extensively what happens in regard to 1844, what the disappointment was, and the association with the sanctuary. That was the insight of Hiram Edson. It took them one and a half years of study. And then they published an article. And Ellen White says, this is the truth for God's people. And so what do you find there? The whole disappointment explained. But at the same time, it gave an insight that today, very few Seventh-day Adventists even cherished. And is attacked left and right. The cleansing of the sanctuary in two dimensions since 1844. There is a literal and a spiritual temple. The literal being the sanctuary, the new Jerusalem, a literal city, and the spiritual, the church. Now keep in mind this. The literal occupied by Jesus Christ, our, high our king and priest, according to John 4, 2, Hebrews 8, 2, 9, 11, the spiritual temple by the Holy Ghost, 1 Corinthians 3, 17, 
6.19 and Ephesians 2, verse 20 and 22. Now, what are then the implications of this here? Between these two, there is a perfect concept of action. As Christ prepares the place, the Spirit does the people. Think about it. When he came, Christ came to his temple, the sanctuary, to cleanse it, the Spirit commenced the special cleansing of the people. Now, this element, unfortunately, is not quite known among our people. So here is a very interesting cooperation between the two. In fact, I was also involved in Glacier uh, View. And one of the questions is now, so what does it mean if we understand the heavenly geography? It's of no practical value. Dr. Ford and many others said that. They were completely mistaken. The Holy Spirit worked in connection with Christ. As Christ cleansed the books, so the Spirit started to cleanse the sanctuary on earth, which is the church. So this cleansing has now gone on for over 170 years. Is our church now purer than ever before? It should be, shouldn't be. But it is not. It's not. And this is a shame. So now there is a need for a special cleansing. And Malachi 3, verse 1 to 3 was seen as a prophetic statement by the prophet for the end time. And so what do we see here then? Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you shall seek shall suddenly come to his temple. And this in the context of the last days is the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. But who will abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? That is, of course, in that context, Christ's second advent. For he is like a refiner's, like a refiner's fire and like the fuller's soap. And he, the Holy Spirit, shall sit as a refiner and purifying of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi. And in the context of the end time, these are God's people. Because remnant people. And purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So why does God's people need cleansing? They must prepare to receive the seal of the living God. I saw, and this is a testimony from one of the eyewitnesses, Ellen White, uh, and this is what you find in early writings. I saw that many do not realize what they must be in order to live in the sight of the Lord without an high priest in the sanctuary through this time of trouble. So unless you understand the sanctuary theology, you don't get it. Those who receive the seal of the living God and are protected in the time of trouble must reflect the image of Jesus fully. So what is necessary? Revelation 7. 
the seal of the living God. Why do God's people need cleansing? They must prepare for the latter rain. I saw that none could share in the refreshing the latter rain unless they obtained the victory over every besetment, pride, selfishness, love of the world, over every wrong word and action. Now you say, how is this possible? And you look at your own life and say, I don't qualify. And you may close the red books and give up. But this is not the end, friends. We should therefore be what? Drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord and be earnestly seeking that preparation necessary to enable us to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Early writings, page 71. You see, so instead of walking away and giving up on Adventism, we should draw closer to the Lord. Because there is where we can get it. Now, this first statement, is that really so exaggerated? Will anybody who is proud, selfish, who loves the world, who constantly use wrong words and actions, would they have access to, the, to heaven? No. So automatically we need to go to Jesus. The conclusion, the need of the believers, victory over every sin, and then at the same time, how to accomplish this? By drawing nearer and nearer to Jesus so they can be cleansed by the Holy Spirit and stand in the day of the Lord. There it is. The simple prescription. Many loved the Lord clearly and had sacrificed everything. Some sold houses, farms, property, put every still last, last penny into the proclamation of the Seventh-day Advent, of the, of the Advent message. So they absolutely gave everything. But were they ready to meet the Lord alive? Which is a little different from meeting the Lord and you die and then you are resurrected. Friends, Great Controversy, page 424 says, they were not yet ready to meet their Lord. And yet they gave everything. What more can you do? Why were not they not ready? And here again, the eyewitness says, quote, they were not free from errors. And I saw the mercy and goodness of God in sending a warning to the people of the earth and repeated messages to lead them to a diligent searching of heart and study of the scriptures that they might divest themselves of the error which had been handed down from what? The heathen and the papist. Through these messages, God has been bringing out his people where he can work for them in greater power and where they can keep all his commandments. Early writings, page 250. It's a part of the great controversy vision. Let's see here. They had many unbiblical practices, like keeping Sunday and pagan Sabbath, infant baptism. Many were not practicing temperance or health reform, defiling their bodies through the use of tobacco, 
alcohol, tea, coffee, unclean foods, wearing jewelry and adornment. Many had erroneous ideas about the Godhead. Tithing, foot washing, immortality of the soul, everlasting hellfire of the wicked, Christ's high priesting ministry, his atonement on the cross, righteousness by faith, justification and sanctification by faith, the faith of Jesus and victory over sin. So you can see here that there were quite a few errors and it took the Holy Spirit decades and decades and decades until the end of the 19th century to correct those things. So were they ready? No, they were not ready in 1844. Now we have many of the doctrines are corrected, but is our lifestyle more like Christ? That's the question. Oh yes, we believe in the Sabbath, the seventh day, but do we know how to keep it holy? That's another question. Then we find another prophecy that Peter spoke about, about the return of the Christ. And this was a concept that was cherished by the pioneers often. You find this in Acts 3, 19 to 21. Repent therefore and be converted, that God may send Jesus Christ, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. Christ's second advent takes place when all truth is restored and practiced among God's remnant people. Then they reflect Christ's character or God's character. Remember that statement in 1 Peter, first chapter, verse 22 and 23, that in the obedience of the truth, the Holy Spirit will purify his people. You get the message? See, so in other words, all the people say, okay, why do we have to go through 28 fundamental beliefs? Just except Christ. Each, and I wrote an article, that each fundamental belief contributes to a holy living in Christ. And you eliminate those, and you have a remnant that is steeped in sin. We get the Holy Spirit restores all truth to purify God's remnant people. Because by practicing those truths, God purifies his people. And so since 1844, the Holy Spirit has been doing this. Holy Spirit uses Christ's last message of mercy to purify God's remnant. And how does it do it here? Revelation 14, verse 6 to 12. There's three angels' messages. And what did they do? Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7, the first angel's message proclaims the everlasting gospel to the whole world. It calls for repentance, fear God, and give glory to him. It announces that the hour of his judgment has come and calls for worship of the creator. And of course, then the seventh day. So that is the contents of the first angel's message. Revelation 14, verse 8, the second angel's message. It announces the fall of Babylon because she has 
affected all nations with the false doctrines. And then you get to Revelation 14, verse 9 to 11, the third angel's message, which is a message of a warning against false worship. Warning not to worship the beast and his image and receive the mark on his forehead or on his hand. Those are the messages that specifically are there for the last days. What is the result of these messages? They produce faith. That will be able to give us the power to stand in the day of the Lord. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here they to keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Friends, this faith of Jesus is very powerful. It is faith in his providence. How God guided his church. Right from the beginning of the first century, you get the warning against apostasy. Beyond that, an Message of courage, the little help, in Revelation in Daniel 11, the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. And they did a tremendous good work to cleanse the church. But it was not sufficient. It was not sufficient. And as a result, Protestantism went downhill. And then God raised up the Advent movement. The Advent movement is the continuity of the Protestant Reformation. We don't stop by Luther, Calvin, and Swingley, John Wesley, but God has given us a message that will purify his people so that they will be standing when mercy is finished. And so here then, at the same time, the commandments of God, especially the neglect of the fourth commandment. So what is now the effect of those three angels' messages? Revelation 14, verse 12, it produces what? Believers who keep the commandments of God. Secondly, believers who what? Keep the faith of Jesus. And those who accept these messages keep God's law, the Ten Commandments, perfectly. This law they are able to obey through what? The faith of Jesus which give them the victory over sin to transgress God's law. Here is revealed the perfect relation between the commandments of God and the gospel, the faith of Jesus. And here in his last statement, you find the law and the gospel. They are united. They ought to be united under all circumstances. We present the law, but without the faith of Jesus, you will never do it. It's impossible. Now, if I depend on my faith, I don't make it. Sometimes it's great, but sometimes it's just like ropes of sand. But the faith of Jesus is different. It is invincible. And that's what we need throughout the end of time. The third angel's message is represented as flying through the heavens, proclaiming the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This message is to prepare a people for the coming of the Christ. How to obtain righteousness? <laughs> Romans 3.22. Even the righteousness of God 
which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all, upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, and some of the following statements, it is, they are taken from the King James, because most of the new translations, the translators do know what to do with the faith of Jesus. And so in order to make it more palatable and understandable for people, they make the faith in Jesus. But the original reads constantly the faith of Jesus. And friends, there is a difference with the faith in Jesus and the faith of Jesus. Now, both are necessary. Knowing, and this is from Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So yes, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ to obtain the faith of Jesus Christ. You see the point? And if you really understand this and experience it in your life, it makes all the difference and takes away the fear of the future and all the calamities and the time of trouble and whatever, because it is not my faith, but Jesus' faith. And we found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, Philippians 3, 9. And so presently, friends, we are on the probation. Our time is precious. We have but a few, a very few days of probation in which to make ready for the future immortal life. Child Guidance 555. So let's look at the dictionary. The process or period of testing of observing the character or abilities of a person. So how to use the time of probation? Many are deceiving themselves by thinking that the character will be transformed at the coming of Christ. But there will be no conversion of heart at his appearing. Our defects of character must here be repented of. And through the grace of Christ, we must overcome them while probation shall last. This is the place for fitting up for the family above. Adventist home, page 319. So what is the purpose now of probation? All are accountable for their actions while in this world of probation. All have power to control their action if they will. If they were weak in virtue and purify purity of thoughts and acts, they can obtain help from the friend of the helpless. Jesus is acquainted with all the weaknesses of human nature. And if entreated, will give strength to overcome the most powerful temptations. All can obtain this strength if they seek for it in humility. Child Guidance 466. This is a marvelous promise. And so all 
can obtain help to overcome. Probation is for what? Time to choose Jesus as Lord and Savior. Time to overcome sin with the faith of Jesus. Get ready for Jesus to come. Time to develop faith and be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. This is the time to prepare others for Jesus' return. So two ways probation can close. And so what is it? By death. And then Michael stand up. Michael stand up to close of probation. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And here's a beautiful quotation. Ever we are to keep in mind the solemn thought of the Lord's soon return. And in view of this, to recognize the individual work to be done. Through the aid of the Holy Spirit, we are to resist what? Natural inclinations and tendency to wrong and weed out of the life every unchrist element. Thus we shall prepare our heart for the reception of God's blessing, which will impart to us grace and bring us into harmony with what? With the faith of Jesus. For this work of preparation, great advantages have been granted to his people. In light bestowed in messages of warning and instruction sent through the agency of the Spirit of God in heavenly places, 347. And so here, messages of warning. God never gets tired of those things from the Bible as well as the spirit of prophecy. And so those messages go right to our mind and the frontal lobes because it is only through the frontal lobe that the Holy Spirit commutes. And now here, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy works were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name. At the same time, in the New Testament, there were Christians in a particular church, and they relieved, received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were true or were so. Acts 17, verse 11. So if you really enjoy this word, his commandments, his instructions, then why do you wait? Why? Accept it with readiness of heart. Not only that, but at the same time, oh God, anything you ask, we will do. No restriction whatsoever. Here I am, Lord. I sacrifice my life for you. Like the early martyrs in the church and the reformers. And so finally, after probation, at the end of probation, we come then to Christ's last warning message before the close of probation. We have Christ's last message of warning. This now is Christ's last warning of message of mercy. It is purifying the work of the Holy the purifying work of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign of Revelation 18, verse 1. Christ's final invitation for the second advent. But near the close of earth's history, harvest, a special bestowal of spiritual grace is promoted, promised to prepare the church for the coming of the Son of Man. This outpouring of the Spirit is likened to the falling of the latter rain, according to Acts of the Apostle, page 55. 
So what is now the purpose of the latter rain? It prepares for the time of trouble. It is the latter rain which re revives and strengthens them, God's people, to pass through the time of trouble. Review and Herald, May 27, 1862. But together with this, it fits persons for the latter rain and translation. Quote, those who come up to every point and stand every test and overcome, be the price what it may be, have heeded the counsel of the true witness, and they will receive the latter rain and thus fitted for translation. So you can see here that this is nothing different from this early statement that Ellen Knight made in 1850, how to prepare for the latter rain how to be a part of the latter rain. <clears throat> the third angel's message is swelling into a loud cry, and you must not feel at liberty to neglect the present duty, and still entertain the idea that at some future time, you will be the recipient of great blessing when without any effort on your part, a wonderful revival will take place. Today, you are to have your vessel purified that it may be ready for the heavenly dew, ready for the showers of the latter rain, for the latter rain will come and the blessing of the God will fill, fill every soul that is purified from what? Uh, every defilement, evangelism, page 701. It's our work today to yield our souls to Christ that we may be fitted for the time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord fitted for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evangelism 701. When is it? Today. Today we ought to yield our souls to Christ and call upon the Holy Spirit to be filled with, his, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That is the question. And if not... You need to ask for it. When? Today. Those who want to make a covenant with the Lord to ask daily from now on for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and experience it, may I see your hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because that will get us through. And so now then, the next phase is the close of probation. Daniel 12, verse 1. Situation at the close of probation. How will it be? Christ has finished his antitypical priestly work as mediator in the heavenly sanctuary. There is no more forgiveness and atonement for sin. God's wrath is to be poured out on the wicked in the seven last plagues. Revelation 14, verse 9 through 11 and chapter 16. No more forgiveness of sin, no more atonement. And if you don't understand the sanctuary and how it works and how Christ works there, you don't see the relevance of this. It doesn't make sense. It may smack after fanaticism. But no. Through the sanctuary, we have a perfect understanding of Christ's work in heaven and for us. How can humans survive this time of trouble? Who is able to stand in the day of the Lord? 
Revelation 7, verse 2 and 3. Only those who receive the seal of the living God in their forehead will be protected. <clears throat> when Christ finishes his atoning ministry, what then? At that time shall Michael, Christ, stand up, the grace priest which standeth in the for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was there since there was a nation, even to the same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone shall be found, written in the book, Daniel 12, verse 1. And so now done here, is there any encouragement? Yes, there is an encouragement, and we can even learn it today. When those early Christians were exiled to mountains and deserts, and here what you have is a picture of the Waldensian Valley and the School of the Barbs, in the dungeon to die with hunger and cold and torture, when the martyrdom seemed the only way out of their distress, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ, who was crucified for them. Their, their worthy example will be a comfort and an encouragement to the people of God who will be brought into the time of trouble as never was. So those experiences, friends, prepare you for the coming. And so when Michael stands up, when a high priest has finished his work in the sanctuary, he will stand up, put on the garment of vengeance, and then the seven last plagues will be poured out. Early writings, page 36. A mediator is only necessary for believers who are still sinning. So if you, you know, and that is not any more possible during the time. Since all cases have been decided, either a person has overcome their sins and received the seal of the living God, or will have the mark of the beast. And then angels let go the four winds of strife. Without his intercessor, when he, Jesus, leaves the sanctuary, darkness covers the inhabitants of the earth. And in fearful time, the righteous must live in the sight of a holy God without an intercessor. Great controversy, page 614. They will be in no need of intercessor because they are sealed. But we will always need Jesus. His faith, his enabling grace to resist Satan's temptation until the second advent. Because you will have your sinful nature until that time. As Satan accuses the people of God on accord of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. Their confidence in God, their faith and firmness will be severely tested. As they review the past, their hopes sink, for in their whole life they can see little good. They're fully conscious of their weakness and unworthiness. Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that the stain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes to destroy their faith, that they will yield to his temptations and turn from the allegiance of God. Great controversy, page 618. They afflict their souls before God, pointing to their past repentance of their many sins and pleading the Savior's promise 
Let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me, Isaiah 27, verse 5. Their faith does not fail, because their prayers are not immediately answered. Through suffering, they keep anxiety, the keenest, keenest anxiety and terror and distress. They do not cease their intercession. They lay hold of the strength of God, as Jacob lay hold of the angel. And the language of their souls is, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Great controversy 619. So in the time of trouble, if the people of God has unconfessed sins to appear before them, while tortured with fear and anguish, they would be overwhelmed. Despair would cut off their faith and they could not have confidence to plead with God for deliverance. But while they have a deeply sense of their unworthiness, they have no concealed wrongs to reveal. Their sins have gone before and to judgment, according to first, or, uh, Titus 5.24, and have been blotted out, and they cannot bring them to remembrance. Praise the Lord. Great controversy, page 620. Satan led many to believe that God will overlook their unfaithfulness in the minor affairs of life. But the Lord shows in his dealings with Jacob that he will in no wise sanction or tolerate evil. All who endeavor to excuse or conceal their sins and permit them to remain upon the books of heaven unconfessed and unforgiven will be overcome by Satan. Those who delay the preparation for the day of God cannot obtain in the time of trouble or any subsequent time. The case of all those is hopeless. Great controversy 620. Hopeless. You know, just before, an elder, it was in her 80s, she was writing from early morning to late at night. And people say, you know, why, why do you do it? Take it easy. And she says, no, no, no. God has still a work for me to do and I have to finish it. And how often do we consult those works to read those? Over a hundred thousand pages has the messenger of the Lord written. How many do we read? Think about it. Can the last generation live through the time of trouble without sinning? Will sin be removed during the time of trouble? Some who think that believers will still sin in the second advent, uh, till the second advent point to Ellen White's statement of the experience during the time of trouble. That quote, if, no, it is needful for them to be placed in the furnace of a fire, that the earthliness must be consumed and that the image of Christ may be perfectly reflected. Great controversy 621. This, they think, means that believers are still in need of God's atoning grace to remove their earthliness that prevents them from reflecting the image of Christ perfectly. Reply, this earthliness is associated with the pull of the sinful natures, but it cannot be sins, since sins must be repented of during the pre-advent judgment. 
to be forgiven or they will extinguish fire, faith, hope for the special class of believers. The context of the statement is out of context. The context of the statement shows that Ellen White deals here with a special class of believers who, quote, have been deceived and tempted and betrayed to sin, but who have returned to him with true repentance before the close of probation. God will send his angels to comfort and protect them in the time of peril. Great controversy, page 621. Role of faith in the time of trouble? Note, sins have been sent before into judgment and they cannot be atoned for. During the time of trouble, without a mediator, it is one's faith and total dependence upon God that is tried and strengthened. Even Jesus on the cross could not see his father's faith. He by faith knew his father was there. He too depended on the promises. True faith is vic the victory that overcomes the world. Help for those with little faith. Again, Ellen Knight states here an interesting thing. Those who exercise but little faith now will be plunged into deeper distress and anguish in the time of trouble because they have never made it in habit to trust in God. The lessons of faith which they have neglected will be forced to learn under terrible persecution pressure of discouragement. Great controversy 622. So keep that in mind that they are not completely lost. No, they have to learn some things. And so during the time of trouble, some have an easier time than others, but all have a difficult time. Our sinful natures prevent victory over sin until the second advent. Is that so? Some quote this statement by Ellen White, the closer we come to Christ, the more sinful you will appear in your own eyes. The Bible echo, December 1, 1892. There seems to be no victory possible. But our reply was, although we appear more faulty in our own eyes, it does not mean that we are still committing sins. Instead, we are perceiving our weaknesses more clearly and our sense of our nature of Christ's strength and the faith of Jesus. What do you say? Amen. And the context of Ellen White's statement is there is still hope for these believers to survive the time of trouble so that they will be able to progress to reflect the image of Christ perfect. However, during this process, progress, they will not continue to sin. They will have to fight temptations the craving of their sinful carnal nature, but they will be overcomers through the faith of Jesus and not commit sin. Keep in mind that having a sinful nature is not sin, as many of the Protestants believe, and some of us. No, nor do we have to sin, because the victory is in Christ's enabling grace. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.